The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. You know, I really had this idea of like of that there was a place that was like better for me or there was, you know, some kind of like Rebecca Valhalla out there and I just needed to go find it. Um, and, you know, I was like, okay, the parameters are I probably can't get citizenship, citizenship somewhere else. And so I'm going to go see basically like every city in America and then I'll make my decision. Um, and there are some places that are very wonderful um, and that I look and I have visited since and I look forward to visiting. But essentially it came down to the fact that like nowhere is perfect and it's 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 all about like we have work to do here essentially and even though i didn't like even have a job i was like there's enough work to do that i can find meaning and purpose and it's my hometown hello biscuit listeners and welcome to another freshly baked edition of the biscuit podcast celebrating charlotte's creativity every week I'm your host, Andy Go. Today we talk to Rebecca Henderson, the Creative Morning Charlotte speaker during the June 7th Creative Morning Charlotte event at Discovery Place in Uptown. We call this segment Creative Mornings Rewind. Rebecca Henderson is a multidisciplinary artist, graphic designer, entrepreneur, organizer, and a full-time copywriter at local marketing agency Ray Ward. Her work includes being a fellow with the League of Creative Interventionists and owner of the Weird Empire brand. A born and raised Charlatan, Rebecca also spent time on the road traveling to perform and create art. In this episode of Creative Mornings Rewind, Rebecca talks with hosts Tim Miner and Matt Olin about when writing became a part of her life, how she keeps creativity from turning into chaos, what she learned from her time on the road, and how she'd like Charlotte to start seeing the arts as an investment in the community. Let's take a lesson. What's up, Biscuit listeners? Welcome to the Biscuit Podcast. Yes, <laughs> Rebecca's already laughing this at me. Bad, this is a bad sign. <laughs> you didn't even complete a sentence. All right. Well, we are here with Rebecca Henderson, who was our speaker uh, at Creative Mornings Charlotte the, the first Friday in June. And what an amazing morning that was. I mean, there were well over 400 people gathered at Discovery Place to hear you come and and just speak about your journey. And um, man, we've been wanting to get you up on that stage for a long time, and it finally worked. We finally got you up there. Hey, I mean, that, there were it was a complete bait and switch. I thought I was coming <laughs> for just a standard uh, physical from my doctor <laughs> at Discovery, Place. which I thought was weird. But then I thought they had that anatomy exhibit. <laughs> right. Maybe we're gonna do something more hands-on. I don't know. So we're recording this one at Ray Ward, which is among many other roles in your life you are a copywriter here at ray ward and we'll dive into that in a few minutes here but before we go deeper we are going to start with a lightning round what restaurant broke your heart when it closed oh god um maybe the penguin Mm. yeah maybe the The first or second time the penguin closed the first there you go the time it closed Right. Yeah. And stayed close. It came back as a zombie. Yeah, probably the penguin. And for for all the worst reasons, I mean, I think that my lungs started clearing up and my arteries started flourishing <laughs> the second they announced it, just because as a high schooler, 
it was like where every underage smoker went to like <laughs> debate the Velvet Underground. Yeah. I feel like that's been just true yeah. for decades. Is this back when you could smoke inside or was this uh, outside yes, smoking? Yes, it was. Yeah. I was not, a, mom and dad, I was not a smoker, mommy and daddy. Right. But um, it's because I was uh, tragically uncool. Yeah. Um, but I still got the effect of having everything that I smoke. Yeah, like, yeah, smoke. That's, the I gift. I, that's the gift. Yeah. I, I secondhand smoke with the coolest people in Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> I breathe the same air as people who are cool. Secondhand smoke two packs a day. Yeah. So the only person that was happy when the penguin closed was your reptile doctor at, at Discovery Place. Probably. Okay. All right. Where is the, the best place in Charlotte to stop, collect, and, and, and just collect your thoughts and just think? Or stop, collaborate, and listen. I was about to say, I was like, oh, you know, stop, collaborate, and listen. To stop and think, I really like a, a good old, a good old not just coffee. Mm. Mostly because, my God, they're everywhere. They're everywhere, so they're very convenient. They're extremely convenient. They're within striking distance, no matter where you yes. are. And you, you, it sounds like maybe you like this sort of little clamor, background noise of a cafe. Yes. That helps put you in sort of a zen-like Absolutely. Space. And I sort of, at this point, have a shtick with, almost every poor barista who is encumbered with my personality that early in the morning. Um, and so it's also become a place of just um, radical acceptance right. for me, both pre and post caffeine, which honestly, like which one's worse? So like it feeds pick your you poison. on many levels. Rebecca, if you could write an ode to a piece of public art in Charlotte, which, which public art piece would you write said ode too. It's so embarrassing because I don't know the name of it. It's okay. But it's the one in the bottom of the building that is so weird looking. Like there's the lion. What is this thing called? That's Which Jean Tanglet's Cascade oh, in the Carillon yes. building. Oh, in the Carillon so building. It's so weird. Right? right? And as a kid, I was like, this Do you want to climb it? some freaky stuff. I just mostly am obsessed with its like slow creepy yeah it's hypnotic like, it's hypnotic and it's been around forever so as and it's a writer, not like a people pleaser right but <laughs> as a writer it gives, you say it's giving you material like it's stuff that you can play off of and write write something too yeah. yeah yeah and just i was i don't know whether i was just left in lobbies a lot as a kid right, right. but just i sit here i'll be right back yeah i think that might be it like i've spent i've spent a significant amount of Lobby time, time somehow with this sculpture <laughs> At a, form, at a formative <laughs> age. A lot of time waiting to go to like ASC meetings or... No, I think it was just like... Your dad my dad had off. meetings and my parents <laughs> were trying to co-parent and he'd be like, just sit here. That's, I think. That's good taste because that, that is probably the most, you know, artistically significant work in Charlotte. Really? Oh, it's up there. It's his last... Is it? Yeah. So I just it's have amazing taste? Oh, yeah. That's exactly what we're saying. I should have Googled this before I decided it was what I'd write an ode to. <laughs> but it's it's like it's mystery. It didn't seem like it had an author when I was a kid. It yeah. seemed like something happened and then they hadn't done anything about it yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. We'll get back to it. Okay, sorry. So, so let's start here. Um, Rebecca, describe what Charlotte was like when you were growing up here. What, what, was, what was it like if you were to just, you know... Give it some active. Um, well, when I was growing up here, a lot of what I was concerned about was mostly roly polies. So I can't mm. give like a socio political <laughs> overlay because <laughs> I was my daughter's really... into the roly polies these days too. It's yeah. weird because I was talking to someone and and you know how chipmunks had like a comeback five years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like, all of a sudden it was like chipmunks, yeah. and they're like, did, did they leave? I'm like, right. yeah, they weren't here <laughs> at all. I never saw a chipmunk. <laughs> Similarly, I was talking with someone, and I was like, where'd all the roly-polies go? 
Yeah. Where they all go? I used to see like I used to see roly polies all the time. Then they were like, no, you used you used to just be like a foot and a half off the ground. <laughs> you just don't see them now because it's like you can't spot them, and you're not your day doesn't your day isn't comprised of like picking up a brick and right. like that was today. Yeah. Yeah. The mother load. Yeah, right. it's just like uh, and you can poke them, and they just roly poly right up. Um, what from what I can remember, a lot more roller skating mm-hmm. was yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, throughout the lands. Yeah. Uh, it was like a lot quieter. It was like real sleepy. I mean, yeah. I remember most of the, most of the, like my high school experience was marred by tragedy only because I think kids were so bored. They just didn't have anything to do. And some people made, made, well, you know, your, your brain isn't all the way attached to itself Correct. at that age. So people made wrong decisions and I had to find, I had to get into things like ghost hunting. There aren't even any notable ghosts here. We were like inventing ghosts for ourselves just to like freak each other out. Yeah. Like it was like D&D, but like we were trying to sell it on like a metaphysical level. (laughs) Like. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, I was just at Eastland Mall ice skating. Like that's way more. I was a roller skater. I didn't go ice. Yeah. But rea- in reality, I should I should have stuck with ice skating because I got so hot roller skating that yeah. then I'd have to go and eat a bunch of the lick and dip stuff. <laughs> right. And then right. you'd right. be like, why do I feel sick? My my body's full of acid. <laughs> it's eating itself <laughs> yeah. alive. Why does my tummy hurt? <laughs> Fun this, dip. This feels like a movie, like a like an ap- apocalyptic movie script, like back in in the wilds of Charlotte, the yeah. crazy roller roly poly obsessed. <laughs> Skaters. Well, there would be like the world. there would like the biggest social occasions were like we need to get at least four people together and convince one of the moms to drive us to Carowinds. Oh uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. lot of um, like a lot of attempts at going to Carowinds. A lot of jamming at the J. Mm. A lot of taking it to the uh, Hive, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And a lot of roly polies. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I just remember like the the concept of. Having friends, I had one a good friend that was in like the Lake Norman area, uh-huh. and then Matt lived in Weddington. And now it's just like, oh, I hear there's a great new restaurant in Weddington. Let's drive down there. But back then it was like the Wild West. My mom was yeah. like, "You have a full tank of gas? Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you have money? Do you yeah. have extra water? It was like, foggy you know, out I was there going night. on the Oregon Trail. Like, yeah. I'll be there in three weeks, <laughs> mom. You know, it was just anything that wasn't like centralized to Charlotte was just the hinterland. It's true. Yeah. Well, and uh, God bless my parents, but I was smart to keep them a little bit in the dark about a lot of stuff. <laughs> I was like such a good kid, but I just wanted to do things. Like, I mean, I remember it would be like, we would be like, okay, we're all going to get in the my friend's Jetta, and then we're going to drive to Walmart, and we're just going to try and dig through the dollar DVDs and touch the bottom. Just like... <laughs> move enough of the dvds to touch the bottom of the bin like that was what we did to try and stay out of trouble like yeah. truly s- literally scraping mm. the bottom of the barrel that's some pretty yeah. that's pretty good avoidance of do. going on there mine was like going and finding whatever bizarro album at repo records mm. that like was mm-hmm. going to drive my dad berserk <laughs> you know like, yeah this looks like it'll send him into a conniption yeah my parents would that. um Actually, now I'm made. I was allowed to walk as far from our house to Paper Skyscraper. That was the boundary. Mm. So I just walked to Paper Skyscraper like 
every day. And right. now I'm friends with Ron and Tim and they were like, we had no idea what you were up to. They're like, for a while we thought She's you were back. stealing, like, but then you weren't. They were just like the last outpost on the way to yeah, you know, yeah. the forbidden zone. Yeah, it was the canary. It's the canary still chirping. So it's like the drop off in uh, Finding Nemo. Oh, yeah, it was it. Yeah, it is. Any further than that. Yeah. Okay, so writer to writer, right? When did writing become an important outlet? For you and did you have some particular muses that come to mind um i got the fifth grade katie gambino writing award at dilworth elementary school really yes because i began writing my first chapter book in fifth grade yeah do you remember what that chapter book was was about yes it was about i was sort of um treating anamorphs as a template for like my world and so the existence of a narrative that had less than five teenagers was like the biggest faux pas that could exist. So it was like five teenagers, <laughs> five teenagers who I think find like a portal and they, they like goes into different like universes. Sort yeah. Of. Tell us about the transition that you've made from graphic designer to copywriter. Oh, um, like how's it going? It well, it when it's going well. I don't know. Can it we has gone. <laughs> it's we get going a creative ex- director it's in It's going here? exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. Um, you know, it uh, it didn't feel like a. It felt like a pivot in my career, but not a pivot in my practice because uh, the way that I like was making or doing design was like visual storytelling, and so now I just get to do verbal storytelling because I. Um, do you think that I have a, a greater penchant for that and will default to those better than I on design? I mean, at, you know, at Rayward, we have these incredible designers. And I'm like, well, great. Like, <laughs> I don't have to do that part. Right. Um, and I get to just serve in a unique way on a part of, like, a team to cohesively put together something really special. Um, so I think that the pivot has been just in, like, learning how to hold my piece and hold it like really strong. But I also am way over opinionated. And so share my thoughts on almost every aspect of every project. Um, sorry guys. Uh, so <laughs> that just sounds like you're an agency creative. So. I, yeah, I, I do like, I like to just do like creative work and look at it holistically. And I mean, I'm always open to input on my copy. It sort of is just like, what hats are we wearing? And here I wear, a copywriter hat now and it's um really fun and uh it's really cool to like work all together it's like the dream right yeah and i don't have to like knock on people's doors to like get them to pay their bills right right i literally show up and i'm like i just feel like being creative today (laughs) (laughs) let them worry about all that other thing (laughs) all those other things i'm an artist (laughs) i i do i i had an experience I think similar to yours in that I was a solitary animal for a number of years in creative fields and then went and worked with an agency. And it's just, it's to be around people that think like you or sharpen you Mm -hmm. and then can free you up to, to really fully immerse yourself in whatever project you're working on. It's a, it's an incredible experience. Well, I also just didn't realize how much copywriting I was doing as a designer. I didn't (laughs) understand it was a job. (laughs) I was just like, oh, yeah, you know how, like, the client never gives you anything to put in something, but you need to know how long the line is. And so you just sort of are, like, tippity type. Well, you could do this kind of thing. And then they're Mm -hmm. like, we love it. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that's great because I don't have to change in the design Mm because the words are all the same length still. Um, So a lot of of my clients were getting freebies 
for a long time. And good for them. <laughs> good for them. That was just on the job. And good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Beta. Um, well, you had, you said during your talk, which was awesome. And if you haven't uh, listened to it, you need to go. You need to go find it. Uh, we're going to put it up on the Creative Mornings website. It was incredible. But but imagination has been such a part of your life. Mm-hmm. But you also talked about that it can be a bear that you know when it turns it in on itself. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So how did you tame? that bear and and what do you do to keep keep it at bay keep it in check oh man turning inward and creating chaos um through the picnic basket well i mean we can get let's i mean we can get real here i mean it has required not only just like the independent acquisition of new types of skills um like but to keep myself from like imploding accessing like additional resources like Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's really great to have this like incredible imagination, and it's like being able to go within yourself. But the being able to turn that into wondering is like personal discipline. Mm-hmm. But keeping myself from being like crippled by an anxiety condition is like a combination of my wondering, but also like therapy and medication, mm-hmm. yeah. just straight up like. And those are resources I wouldn't have access to as a person or an artist if I wasn't able to have a full-time job and um, mm-hmm. and be able to use my skills in a very fulfilling way at my job. You know, right. like I get to sort of burn that energy off all day, which is great because um, it'll oh, it'll bubble over. Yeah. Like you think you got it unlocked, you do not, friends. <laughs> you do not. Um, yeah, no one's like no one's smarter than their own brain. Mm. That is a lie. <laughs> Um, and that speaks for like friendships too, you know, like I have friends, mm-hmm. I have a certain friend who I, who doesn't talk on the phone, just won't like we, I just don't talk on the phone and it's really hard for me to understand, <laughs> but it's like, okay, I'm going to meet you where you're at. Right. And it's like an ongoing conversation for sure. But it, the, the reward is so worth it. I mean, having these amazingly like transparent, tender, intimate conversations about like what you need or what someone else need helps you like define what you need too. Yeah, and I'll say that I think the more transparency we can all bring to this uh, conversation of mental and emotional wellness mm-hmm. and the resources uh, and tools that we use to help find that wellness, um, whether it's therapy, whether it's medication, whether it's you know, you know, any number of uh, the suite of of wellness tools and resources available. If you have if you have access to those, and that's yeah. the other big conversation to your point. But the more transparency we can bring to that, the better for for all of us. I mean, I, there are initiatives in Charlotte, I think, that where where folks are trying to bring to light how many folks are actually tapping into resources mm-hmm. and need them, and, and really trying to undermine that stigma that's been attached to you know those of us that have used those resources yeah. before or still are. So I I love the fact that you're comfortable, seemingly comfortable, sharing that and and applaud that because we all need to be doing that too. I would say too, you hit it with the word commitment, right? Yeah. So I think um, there, we live in a world where uh, I think, oh, I'll go to the doctor and they're going to give me a pill or they're going to do something and done. Well, yeah. no, it takes discipline, time, effort, real, I mean, real commitment. I think that mind, that mind body interface is so <laughs> important that, you know, you have to have your mind and your and your heart behind it for the pharma or or, or the or the therapy or the approach you're going to take to actually work. Yeah, and people miss that. Yeah, often. well, it's hard because people understand it at, because 
this type of wellness does become attached it requires a monetary investment right and people want this idea of a return on investment if i buy a gym membership and i go i want to see more muscles or like this idea of like the money that i spend needs to yield either money or product um that's very foundational to like who we are as a culture right but like progress on anything like on your life on your career really unlike your physical well-being because you can be injured at any point like none of this progress is linear it's not like it's not like the graph you see of the um of nasdaq even nasdaq drops all the time right. i mean <laughs> the stock the stock uh, market would not nearly be as exciting as it is if progress <laughs> was linear um but uh yeah having to like come to terms with that even as like part of that process is is uh, tricky 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 so rebecca if you were to say why you returned to charlotte after being on the road mm-hmm. um how would you, what would you say was the reason you came back to Charlotte? You know, I really had this idea of like, of that there was a place that was like better for me or there was, you know, some kind of like Rebecca Valhalla out there and I just needed to go find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was like, okay, the parameters are, I probably can't get citizenship somewhere else. And so I'm going to go see basically like every city in America and then I'll make my decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some places that are very wonderful, um, and that I look and I have visited since, and I look forward to visiting. But essentially, it came down to the fact that like nowhere is perfect, and it's 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 all about like who is there. Mm. And there are such, even in the few friends that I had at that time, they were so incredible and just like they would reach out to me while I was gone for like weeks just to like check in on me and see how I am. And I also saw a unique opportunity to do the kind of work that I feel very much like you, like charged by the universe to do here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like too late here in so many ways. And, um, it, and so with that calling, I was like, we can do, we have work to do here essentially. And even though I didn't like even have a job, I was like, there's enough work to do that I can find meaning and purpose. And it's my hometown. Like there's something to be said for being that annoying person. Who's like, that used to be a different (laughs) building. I'm 30 and I feel like still like some kind of, crone because i'm like oh yes you're the angry alumnus yeah Yeah, i've become that many years ago there was a music venue that was the lamp lighter (laughs) i was sprayed by blood here (laughs) it was fake at what at what age do i develop this accent Right, right. Well, you can you can have it right now if yeah, you really want. Yeah, the accent develops a, you. Yeah, it's just such a sprightly individual. I, I don't see it ever settling in. Yeah. With you. Um, I, I love the way that you put that too. It's not too late here. Yeah. And I, I we we talk to people all the time about that. They're like, oh, why would I stay in Charlotte? You know, it's because you can be part of of writing the recipe and feel compelled to come. Yeah, out. and to show up and vote. Yeah. Voting is so important. Yeah. Show up and vote. Because, like, you know, the people who, the, like, you know, legislation that at least I consider to be problematic or harmful, like, they can only vote one time. And they're your friends. Like, they're your friends who are getting pushed out or who are vulnerable or, and so, like, you need to stay here and vote Mm -hmm. for them. Because, like, I have privileges that are a part of creating those issues. And so, like, it is my responsibility to, like, 
in the very smallest way. Like voting is so easy. Like just stay registered. Right. So we usually uh, like to end our podcast conversations with the same questions. We'll we'll end with the same sort of traditional question for Mm. you as well. And then cannot wait to get into more creative trouble with you as as uh, as we continue on in the biscuit and we have some stuff. I know we have like some stuff. (laughs) We have some stuff. Some things brewing with Rebecca Henderson. So stay tuned, everyone. But this is not the last you'll hear. The question that we'd like to end with, Rebecca Henderson, is what advice do you have for Charlotte? Um, I would say that Charlotte needs to pivot its thinking from putting art in the context of we support the arts to pivoting their thinking to that the arts support us. Mm-hmm. Like the creative industry is what fuels any developing city. I mean, yes, we have incredible tech, everything, but like what attracts millennials, what like what fuels it all, what makes something cool? The arts. And not just that, not just like mural paintings, but like people doing creative things, people thinking about things in a new way, et cetera. And those things don't need your, I mean, yes, they need your support. Support Creative Morning, support the biscuit, clt.com. But also those people need, those um, individuals and organizations mostly just oftentimes need acknowledgement of that labor. Mm -hmm. And that can come in the form of a, a contract um, you know, you're by hiring an artist, you're not supporting them. They're supporting you. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we re-examine that power structure and how we approach uh, creative work here in Charlotte, it would set the pace for potentially the nation as to how we, as a country, um, treat culture and the arts. I mean, I think it was Winston Churchill who, when they were talking about cutting arts funding during the war, he was like, well, what is all of this for then? If you're putting arts and culture at the lowest tier, that it's the thing that gets the handout, that it's the one that's hand to mouth, it's like, well, what's the point? Like, mm. it's like our reason for living. To do that, though, I think we've got to we've got to kill the you know this kind of myth or this nobility of the starving artist. I think yeah, that's, that's something that creatives have perpetuated. Yeah, for a long time. And no, you're right. This is a this is an exchange. Yeah, it's an exchange of of one kind of resource for another. And I think you said exactly what what we really believe is that if if you if you engage and and collaborate with and value and lift up mm-hmm. creativity in all forms, it's there for you. You've you've exercised their mu- those muscles. Yeah. So that when there are real societal challenges, you've built up those muscles. Yeah. You, you can work. It can shift from one ideology to another so that we can really innovate. Yeah. And, and it's, so it's not, you know, oh, we're going to, oh, we're going to give you a little bit of money so you can paint your, your pretty little flowers. Yeah. You know, it's, no, we are investing in this well of creativity that will sustain us in good times and bad in Charlotte. I think it just comes from this really weird, old-fashioned perception of art and artists And it's almost like a resentment of like, well, why should they get to do that all day? Like I'm here making like nine to five, like, you know, doing my job and why shouldn't they have to get a job? And it's like being an artist when I was an artist full time, very shortly, was the hardest job I've ever had in my Mm -hmm. life. Like massive ups to artists because it is very thankless and it requires like nonstop compromise, you know, no out. Very, very, very few. I mean, it's like the 1% of artists who are out there creating just for their creation's sake and getting and not having to essentially be their own PR firm uh, accountant 
like project manager and then also have the mental capacity to have like clear, original, unique, catchy, appealing thought. (laughs) Um, Anyways. So, yeah. Well, and I think we've got to, on the, on the flip side of that, we've got to stop using the word sellout. You know, when somebody does what they've got to do to actually live. Yeah. You can't, you know, making, making money and making a living at it is not a bad thing. No, not at all. You know, but I think, it's like if a banker balances their own checkbook <laughs> and then if they balance someone else's checkbook, it's like, I thought you did it for the love. <laughs> I can't what think happened? Of, I can't think of a better note. It's so to derivative. <laughs> that advice is so aligned with everything we stand for. It's our new mission statement. And, and so um, thank you yes, for sharing your awesome. insights. Thank you for sharing yourself with biscuit with charlotte's creative and with the creative mornings community and with charlotte so it is an honor to call you a friend and a collaborator uh, and this is the first enough. Oh. Hooves. no no hooves all day long baby hooves it's just the first little nibble oh yeah that's right that's right there's a full meal to come there's a lot more rebecca henderson coming your way a snack on all so. you can eat buffet possibly thanks for uh thanks for listening and be sure to watch rebecca henderson's talk from June 2019 because it is a beautiful talk and she brought the house down. See you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Rebecca Henderson for speaking with us. You can catch video of her Creative Mornings presentation at creativemornings.com slash cities slash CLT. Most importantly, thank you, the listener, for tuning into the Biscuit Podcast. That's all the time we have for today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us, or better yet, just tell your friends. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every Thursday by subscribing to the Biscuit email newsletter. Do that now at BiscuitCLT.com. Don't forget to register for the next Creative Morning Charlotte event Friday, July 12th at 8.30 a.m. at Biddle Hall on the campus of Johnson C. Smith University. The featured speaker will be educator and journalist Sonia Gant speaking about the global theme of END. RSVPs will open at 9 a.m. Monday, July 8th. The Biscuit Podcast is produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings.